Welcome to Faith Church. If I haven't had a chance to uh, meet you personally yet, my name's Matthew, and my wife Amber and I get the awesome privilege of serving here as pastors, and it's a joy uh, to have you today. And uh, we are right in a series entitled Faith Works. Faith Works, and uh, we've been exploring the cycle, if you will, of faith. There There are some things that we can do to incorporate into our life for to allow faith to actually work. We don't want to bail on the process. We don't want to give up. We want to see God's best in our life. And I want to read this morning out of Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1. And uh, then we're going to go to Mark chapter 11 here in just a little bit. But Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Last week, we talked about how faith must believe. Somewhere between hearing God and believing in God is a choice. And so far in this series, we've said in the first week that faith must first hear. Faith needs to hear something from God. Too many of us are building faith for the wrong things because we're going off of assumptions. We're going off of experiences. We're going off of what our own priorities are. We need to build our faith because of what God has said to us. So faith hears. And after we hear, we have to make a choice to believe because faith also believes. And we see that here, that that faith is this assurance, it's this confidence, it's this hope that we have. And and it goes on to say in verse 3, and this is kind of where we're going to launch out of today. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed. Everybody say formed. We're going to come back to that word here in a minute. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. Everybody say command. The universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, let me be real clear for just a second. God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, he created the system to which we call planet earth. And he created it with his commands, spoken commands. But he didn't create it I want you to catch something. He didn't create all that we see in our world. He didn't create the Garden of Eden. He didn't create those things out of something that was invisible. He only created it out of something that wasn't yet visible. There's a difference. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. God used his words not to create something out of nothing. God used his words to bring what existed already in the reality of heaven into the existence of our earth. It wasn't that God just spoke dog and a dog just plop, like, like a dog had never been in. Everything that we experience here on this earth that is good is only a depiction and a replica of what has already been made perfect in heaven. 
So when the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth, he's not talking about heaven like streets of gold. Heaven. That had already existed. That already was. Because God has always been. But when God said, let there be light, the people that were already with him in that moment were God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They already had existed. They already been a part. And before God really created the earth, if you look at Ezekiel and Isaiah, I don't have time to walk you all the way through this, but before there was, there was heaven, and there was worship in heaven, and then Satan decided, I don't want to lead worship in heaven anymore. I want people to worship me. And the Bible says God cast him down out of heaven. That was... There are some people, and I'm not, I don't know where I land on all this. It's a little murky for me. And and one day I'm going to go to the big screen in heaven and say, God, can I have an instant replay of this, please? I need to review how all this went down. And was it inbounds? Was it out of bounds? Was that the big bang? Like Satan hit earth and bang, everything just started to scientifically create some things. And then you came along and I don't know how it all exactly worked out. There's some things that we've got to walk a little bit by faith more so than what we fully can grasp and understand because his ways are different than your ways and his thoughts are different than your thoughts. And, and, and we can't even behold his glory. Moses had to put a veil in front of his face. It was so bright. And Jesus, we know is the light of the world and he was the word and the word was with God and the word was what was God. And before the world began, the word already was. So we know Jesus already existed. And if he was was already light. It wasn't like light didn't already exist. Is it possible that God was forming some things not because of what was seen? In other words, God didn't create things from things that were invisible, that didn't exist. He just, they just weren't seen yet here on earth. God formed the world with his words. He formed The ecosystem with his words, his words gave entrance to what is in the kingdom of God into what is our earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Our father who is in heaven, honored and holy and hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will Be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus told his disciples, hey, listen, I'm giving you authority. All of the kingdom of God, you have access to all of it. Jesus told his disciples this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom so that The keys that give you access, the keys that start the car, the keys that unlock the door, the keys that open up and reveal what is not yet visible so that it can become visible. I'm giving you those keys so that whatever it is, whatever it is that you access, just know that if you bind it on earth, it's only because it's been bound already in heaven. And whatever you loose to be and permiss to be here on earth, just know that those things have already been loosed and permissed already in heaven. Why? Because you're not praying for your own kingdom to come. That's why your selfish prayers don't always work. Because God's not about your kingdom. He's about whose kingdom? His kingdom. Am I going too fast? Is this too deep? Do I need to back it up and like pet us a little? Are you you tracking with me a little bit? Are we good? Are we good? It gets better. Hold on. 
I hope you brought something to take notes with because some of you, your mind is already like, you need that like brain blow up emoji going on right now. God spoke and he invites us into the same partnership to allow our words to bring the reality of heaven to be experienced in our earth. The reason why we can pray with boldness for people to be healed is because there is no sickness in heaven. And we're praying that God's will that exists already in heaven show up in our earth. And you, as a son and a daughter of God, you as a child of God, you as somebody who's been saved by the Lord and trusted in him, you are an ambassador to that kingdom. Which means you represent those good things in heaven. You're supposed to represent and see them in your life. Here's the deal. The words that we speak align our lives to what we have chosen to believe. Based on what we've heard. Which means that if we're hearing lies and we've made a choice to believe those lies, it's no wonder what you're saying reflects some of those lies. And for those that have heard God's promises and you've chosen to believe God's promises, it's sometimes the missing component to where your faith falls off the rails is that you never take another step and speak the words that align yourself to the things that you've chosen to believe that you once heard God say. Why? Because faith hears, faith believes, and faith has to speak. Faith has to speak. Faith must speak. You know, we, we use words all the time. Just, just curious, how many of you, uh, this is an all-skate participation thing here, church, so I, I should see a hand uh, one way or another. How many of you have a catchphrase that you say all the time? How many of you are annoyed by people who have catchphrases that they say all... See, I told you this was an all... Some of you are lying. You are so scared of the person you're sitting next to that you don't even want to raise your hand. There are a few phrases that I say quite often in my life. One of my phrases that I, I hear myself saying often is, is the phrase, for sure. Oh, for sure. Those of you that have texted back and forth with me, I guarantee if you scroll through, it won't be long before you see the two words, for sure. Or here's, here's my other one that I use. I, I don't know. I just, just used it for years. No worries. No worries. My staff is up here nodding their head. They've heard me say said words multiple times. Like, no worries. I don't, they're just phrases that I say again and again. And I think we all have certain things that if we were to, to really pay attention, we all have words or phrases that we say because here's the deal. We all talk a lot. You might be saying, I don't say a whole lot. No, you say a whole lot more than what you think you say. You might not say as many words, but you still say a mouthful. We all talk a lot. And and here's the thing. We rarely realize what we're actually saying when we say it. I think words are really important. See, we need to use words to to express basic things, right? Directions, instructions, um, expectations. We need to use words. We use words to express our feelings and our thoughts about things. We use words all the time to communicate basic things. But I learned something recently that we also use words to try and form or shape 
what other people think about us with our words. Psychologists have kind of uh, really un- uncovered this, and they have a term for it, and I couldn't remember the term. Uh, I need to go back and find the exact term of what it's called, but, but there's something in the human uh, condition to where we use words to try and frame and paint a picture of what we want people to see. So we say things like, you know, I don't always eat carbs, but today I think I'm going to make an exception. Translation, I eat carbs a lot. I just don't want you to think that I'm unhealthy. And so we're using our words, right, to paint a picture to try and lessen and shape and form what other people think. about. I don't always watch TV, but this one show that I like a lot. It's another phrase that we say. To, in other words, I'm not a couch potato. I ain't lazy. I just like a TV every once in a while. So don't think that I watch a lot of TV because I'm only watching a little TV because it's really only this one show. And it's really the only show that I want to tell you about in church because I don't want you to know about the... Oh, look out now. He's done moved from preaching to meddling. Look out. And we use our words to try and formulate a picture that we want other people to think about us. Here's one. You've heard this one before. I'm busy. How's life? Busy. We don't really realize what we're saying, but what we're saying is I'm a slave to the life that I'm trying to control that I can no longer control. And I don't really know what to do about it. I'm just going to complain about it always being busy. As if you're not the one who set the schedule. As if you're not the one who overcommitted and now blaming everybody else and passively aggressively making everybody else feel guilty about your inability to manage your own life. See, we're giggling, but we're crying. I know it's all right. I'm right there with you. I want to find a new way to ask people what's going on. I want to ask people questions like, hey, what's one good thing you saw God do this week? Because now you don't get to complain. Now you don't get to confess and say things about your life that you don't really want true, but you don't know how to change. And so you're just perpetuating the busy cycle. And God is trying to help you get beyond where you're at. But your words keep knocking your knees out from under you. Words really do matter. I think too many people, I think too many of us, live below the line of God's best for our lives. If God's best is a line, we often live below it in a lot of areas. See, because we consistently find ourselves in toxic relationships. But that's not God's best for us, and we feel trapped by it. We often uh, feel like we're always behind on our finances, and we're never going to get ahead, and it's always one thing after another. And girl, let me tell you, when it rains, it just pours. Right? And we're expressing and we're relating and we're saying all of these things that we will often use as a guise of, I'm just being honest. No, you're just activating your faith for the wrong things. I'm just trying to describe. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you. Please do not. Well, we'll get into it in a minute. Too many of us live below the line of God's best for our lives. 
And the goodness of God that we experience on Sunday when we feel charged up, ready to go. Let's charge hell with a squirt gun. I ain't scared of Monday. Monday, I'm going to eat for lunch. Come Tuesday morning, all of that is gone. All of that faith that was built up on Sunday, it has all disappeared. And we're given into every temptation. And we're feeling the lies mount up. And we're already arguing. And we were going to be a good spouse this week and speak nice things to our wife. But they done did it now. And it's Tuesday morning. And you've got a bunch more days before you can get back to Sunday to fill your faith up. And somewhere along the way, because we're living below the line of God's best, we secretly in our hearts think maybe faith just doesn't work. Because your marriage isn't working, your finances don't feel like they're working. At work, you don't feel like it's working the way you want it to work. You're just working. And God is saying, I want you to have his best. I want you to see all that I have for you. God is whispering promises. We want to believe the promises. And then we negate the promises with the words that we say. Why? Because faith has to hear. It has to believe. And it has to speak. Here's the deal. Faith works when faith speaks. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. If we want faith to work, we have to remember that faith works when faith speaks. Faith works when faith speaks. Here's the deal. We may not believe everything that we say. There may be some things that you say that you you probably just don't really believe. I mean, you're just talking. Some of you are verbal processors. You process things out loud. I am one of you. So we don't always say, we don't always believe everything that we say, but... We always need to say what we believe. You may not believe everything that you say. There may be sometimes you're just talking and having conversation. And you haven't really activated faith because in order for faith to be activated, first you have to hear something, then you have to believe something, and then you speak it. Some of you have never heard it, and so you don't really believe it, and you're just talking. And that's talking is talking. That's fine. There are some things that we say that we just say. But there is a difference when you say something that you actually believe. And you may not believe everything that you say, but you better start saying everything that you believe. And if you watch a person long enough, you hear what they talk about long enough, they reveal what they believe. They, they, they reveal what they believe. What they really believe about their marriage, they'll talk about. Just wait. What they really believe about finance, just wait, they'll talk about it. Oh, not in church. No, 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 no. We don't talk about those things in church. We know the right words to say, God is good all the time, brother. God's good. Mm-hmm. Amen. Like, but if you wait long enough, if you listen enough, if you get in relationship enough, they'll start speaking some things and they'll begin to identify the things that they really do believe. Why? Because we may not believe everything that we say, but we absolutely should say what we believe. We may not activate our faith with everything that we say, but your faith has to speak. Faith has to speak. Now, there there are a couple pitfalls that we've got to be careful of. And I want to say I'm on the outset because when, when you hear people talk about faith speak, speaking in faith, declaring... We, we have a couple pitfalls that we can fall into in the body of Christ... And I want to I want to identify what these pitfalls are so that we don't fall into those ditches. Amen. Is that all right? 
See, here's one pitfall. One pitfall is we don't care. We are very careless with our words and we don't pay attention to our words at all. And we've been talking about things and saying things and talking about them and pontificating on them and spreading things. And we are not careful with what we say at all. That's a ditch. Don't, don't get in that one. But then there's another super spiritual ditch on the other side where we're trying to control everything with our words. We'll get a dog and we'll name him millions so that when we call our dog, we're just declaring and believing millions are coming to me. Millions, come here. Come here, millions. Come on, boy. Come on, millions. And you just check in your bank account every day for those millions to just show up. There's a process that faith actually works. Faith hears. Faith makes a choice to believe. And then faith speaks. Faith doesn't speak the existence that it wants and hopes that it's going to come true because they're convincing themselves that God said it. You don't get to control God with your words, friends. We don't get to control the outcomes of our life with our words. We don't get to do those. No, no, no. But words do align us with the promises and the purposes of God. They, faith doesn't speak and get to God to behave according to our priorities. We use our words to align our life with God's priorities. Is this helpful? So don't fall into the ditch of like, well, words don't matter at all. No, 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 friend. Don't, don't be mistaken. And for most of us in this room, I would venture to say we land on that side. Well, words just don't matter at that much. I didn't really mean what I said. But the problem is you've been saying it for so long. You've now created in your mind something that has to be changed. Because you're now creating a belief system based on what you say. Faith cannot stay silent. If you believe it in your heart, you better speak it with your mouth. Because if you want faith to work in your life, you got to hear, you got to believe, and you have to speak. You have to speak. Doesn't mean you walk around talking in King James language. These and thou's and thus saith the Lord and brother and sister. No. But faith must speak. Here's the second thing I want you to understand today is that faith speaks to shape your life. When you speak, you begin to shape your life. Hebrews 11 says that God formed. He shaped with his commands. He shaped. That word formed means to arrange. It means to input what is lacking. It means to renew, to restore, and repair. That's what faith does. Faith speaks in a way that it shapes your life. I wonder if there might be somebody in this room that would be bold enough to say, God, I got some things in my life that need to be rearranged. There's some things out of alignment. I wonder if there might be somebody in this room that's listening that says, there's some things that are lacking and I've been wanting them to be put into my life, but I need them. It's something is missing. Something needs to be formed. There's something that needs 
needs to be renewed. There's something that needs to be restored. I got a marriage that's on the brink of break, breaking down and I need it to be restored. I got some kids that haven't turned their life to Jesus and I'm praying, I'm believing. I don't know when they're going to change their heart and their life around. I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm telling you, some of you are at a point where you're just waiting for God to restore some things. You need some things to be repaired because you've walked through some life. You walked through some storms. There's been some stuff that's been broken in you and you need it to be repaired and you're waiting for God to shape and to form and you're waiting and you're waiting and God's just waiting on you to start speaking it because you shape it with your words. You form it with, with your words. I wonder if there might be some of you in this room to say, you know what? I think I might need to change how I'm talking because there's some things that are missing. There's some things that need to be repaired. There are some things on the external that need to be repaired. There are some things that are internal that need to be renewed. Romans 12 tells us that we can be transformed on the outside by renewing our mind on the inside. You will shape your life when you speak life. You will shape your life when you speak life. Why? Because faith speaks to reshape the grooves of our beliefs. Some of us have been believing the wrong thing about our lives and it has created some ruts and some groove tracks that it doesn't matter what happens on Sunday come Monday, our mentality ships us right back into that same pit. The only way you're going to get out of that rut, get out of those things is to reshape the groove. You've got to add some more dirt and choose a different track to go on. And when you speak words of life, when you speak words that align yourself with what God has spoken to you that you really do believe and you want to believe. See, sometimes we speak because we do believe it. And sometimes we got to speak it because we want to believe it. Because when we're speaking what we want to believe, we start reshaping the grooves that our life naturally walks and runs in. You don't have to be controlled by alcohol in your life. You can start speaking some different things that line up with God's promises and his truth. And that shapes a new groove that you begin to run in in your life. Why? Because your words can reshape the grooves of your beliefs. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this, this real important understanding. If somewhere between hearing and believing is a choice, somewhere between believing and speaking is a mindset. Last week we talked about how if we're going to believe what we hear, we have to make a choice to believe it. We don't have to believe it. We can choose not to believe it. If we're going to speak in faith somewhere between choosing to believe what God's best is for our lives and stepping into a point where we're speaking what God's best is for our lives, somewhere in between those is a mindset that has to be transformed. I believe that your thoughts are more powerful than your words. Here, here, here's why I think that. Personal opinion. The Bible talks a little bit more about your mind, the way the brain works. It's pretty amazing. 
Because you can think things that you never say, but you can't say things that you never think. And some of us thought that if we just stay silent, that'll help. No, you still got to fix your mind because you're still thinking it. So your thoughts work overtime even while you're asleep. Even for those of you that talk in your sleep. Your brain is still at work while you sleep. Still active in some things. That's why it's so important that we're careful what we input into our brain, into our thought patterns, into the things that we think about. Why? Because your thoughts are so incredibly powerful. But when you make a decision to start speaking differently, you are helping your thoughts to be shaped differently. You're regrooving them. Is this helpful? I hope it is. One of the things that I... Uh, love to do is look at Jesus as our example. Jesus is our example for our life. Amen. I believe that anything that we're supposed to do in our life, we can take our cues from God. God sent Jesus to this earth to show us the way, the way to live, the way to act, the way to think, and the way to have faith work. Jesus heard the father's voice. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I hear the father say it. So Jesus took his cues from heaven, from God's voice. He believed in the Father and he came to live a life to help us know that we too can believe in him who sent Jesus. Jesus' own words. Are we tracking? And Jesus himself spoke what he believed to see it show up in his life. To help move him in the direction that he needed to go. Go with me to, to Mark chapter 11. For those of you that are tracking on version, this, this probably isn't in there in the version Bible uh, event for today, but you can still find Mark 11 there. Uh, and so I, wanna, I want you to look here in the next few minutes at, at Mark chapter 11. This is so important that we understand this and we learn from Jesus how to speak faith, how faith needs to speak. Mark 11, starting in verse 12, it says this, the next day, As they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. See, he's human. He likes to eat too. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, I hope this guy hurries up because I'm getting hungry. Jesus can relate. He empathizes with you. Jesus was getting hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. He saw in the distance a tree that was a fig tree and it had leaves blooming. That's important. And he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Because it was not the season or the appointed time for figs. I wish I had time to talk about how some of us are believing for things that are out of the season of God. God's season hasn't come. It has not been the kairos, the appointed season. That's what that word is. God has not divinely appointed for this season to be your season. So you're believing the wrong things. You're believing for a man and God's saying, I've got you in a season of singleness. Chill. When it's time for the man to show up, the man will show up. But I will bring you your man when you need your man. Some of us are in a season where we're wishing our kids would grow up. But God's like, I got you in a season of parenting a five-year-old. So get over it. Parent like you ain't never parented before. This is your season. Don't be wishing you... I don't have time to get into this. Jesus, help me. I wish I had time to talk to you about the importance of seasons and how it's important to believe in the right season of time and how there's a blessing when you're walking in the right season. 
in your life. But there was not, it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, this is interesting. Like Jesus talks to trees. Just saying, he's a hippie. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And this, his disciples heard him saying. Let me give you a couple of things real quick to understand. Number one, fig trees always were metaphors throughout the Old Testament for the children of Israel. Jesus showed up to a tree that had leaves on it. Leaves for a fig tree would only show up if it was seasoned for the fruit to be there. So Jesus saw a tree that had the appearance of fruit. Come on now. But there was no fruit. Something in the tree system wasn't aligned with the season. Ooh, I feel the spirit showing up here. Somebody's about to get set free. The season wasn't time. It was, there was something already broken within the system that was this tree. Because there was supposed to be fruit, but there was no fruit. He was saying this tree is a poser. It's pretending to be a fruitful tree, but it ain't really fruitful because on the inside, it's already dead. Oddly enough, if you keep reading in Mark 11, Jesus walks into the temple <laughs> and he sees a bunch of people selling stuff in the temple because they had turned God's house into a marketplace for money making. And Jesus turned that place upside down, threw tables, pulled out a whip and started uh, Indiana Jones in the whole place. Putting people back in line and back in their place. Because they had a form of godliness and religiosity, but there was no substance or power to the life because they weren't praying people. They were just publicized people. They weren't really praying. They weren't really pursuing God. They were pretending to pursue God so they'd make a little bit of money on the side. They had an appearance, but no substance. I wonder if some of us have been living a life where we've been trying to keep up appearances and we don't want people to see that we're not really bearing fruit in an area of our life. And Jesus does something so interesting. He curses the tree. Hear me. He cursed the tree. And, and that word cursed, we read it here in a little bit. It just simply means Jesus broke an agreement with that tree. In other words, he spoke in a way that aligned what was unseen to make it become seen. Jesus's words didn't kill the tree. The tree was already dead. It was just pretending. And Jesus's words came in alignment with the reality of the system of the heart. Jesus comes, our words, I ho hope you get this. Our words speak in a way that align our hearts with the reality of heaven. Because God doesn't create nothing from nothing. Something from nothing. It wasn't invisible, it just wasn't yet visible. And when we begin to speak and declare God's words, when we speak in faith, when faith begins to speak, it aligns with the reality that we don't yet see so that we can see it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith speaks. Jesus spoke. 
essentially Jesus broke an agreement. He said, tree, I no longer agree that you're going to produce life. You are now a tree of death and you will die. Jesus changed the agreement. See, your words form an agreement with something. And each time you speak, the agreement gets stronger and stronger. What are you agreeing with? That thing that you believe. Every time you speak, you are strengthening the agreement. Think of like a handshake that starts off really soft and just awkward. But when the hands go in and they get a little more firm and a tighter grip, every time you speak, you are aligning and creating an agreement with a belief system in your heart. That's why it's so important that we're believing the right things. Because our words align with what we believe. And when our words align with what we believe, there's something that happens. And Jesus tells us what happens. Skip down to verse 19. It says, when evening came, Jesus and the disciples went out from the city. And in the morning, they went along. They saw the fig tree and it was withered. No more leaves. It was withered. And they saw that the tree was withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the tree, the tree that you cursed has withered. Again, that word curse just means to verbally break an agreement that was once made. See, that tree had an agreement with the ecosystem of our earth. That system was that as long as it stayed planted, it stayed rooted, it stayed healthy, it stayed connected to its source, it would produce fruit. Because apart from the vine, you cannot produce fruit. And that tree was something was broken within the interior system of the tree so that it wasn't operating the way it was designed and connected to operate. So things were breaking down on that tree. And Jesus broke an agreement saying, no, 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 tree, you don't get to live anymore. You're, you're cursed. And the disciples were amazed. And Jesus, here's Jesus' words. Check these words out. I didn't say him, this is what Jesus said. Have faith in God. Why? Because faith speaks. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, man, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart. In other words, when you say something that you believe, right? When faith speaks to a mountain because faith believes something about the mountain and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Listen, faith speaks in an agreement to align our lives with what we believe. This is why I often will encourage you to say amen. Because there's power in that. Amen means I am now verbally agreeing with that, that that is true. In other words, I'm hearing something that I really do believe or I want to believe. Therefore, I'm now verbally adding in my agreement to say, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's why some of us will come to church and we'll hear the word of God spoke, spoken and we're amen and we're, doing, we're walking out and our faith is a little bit stronger. It's got a little bit more added to it. That's why when certain people go to work out at the gym, they seem like they're more productive at the gym than other people are productive at the gym. Some, some of it has to do with how they work out, but some of them are just taking some supplements that are enhancing the activity that they're doing. 
Some of you are hearing God's word and it's building your faith up. Absolutely. Just sitting here silently listening, your faith is being built up. But something happens when you hear it and say, I believe that. Amen. You have now activated your faith in a way to say, I'm in agreement. That's true. That's a good word. I believe that. I want that to show up in my life. I want to form an agreement with that truth. I want that truth to be a reality in my life. I don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want my marriage to suck anymore. I don't want my kids to be hellions anymore. No, no. I'm going to believe that what I'm hearing is true. And I'm going to speak in a way that forms an agreement with that. And that's why I say amen. I don't. I don't say amen to make the preacher feel good. That's his problem. When I'm listening to podcasts and I'm running, you'll see me. It looks like I'm talking to myself. And sometimes I am. But when I'm running and I'm listening to preaching, I'm saying amen a lot. You want to know why? Because I want my faith to come in agreement with the truth that I'm hearing. So don't sit back and be silent. If you hear something that you believe in your heart, say it with your mouth. Amen. That's good. I'll take that. I'll agree with that. I want to come in alignment with that. There is power in the words that you say. There is power in the words that you say. I I love, I love how Jesus comes and he says, listen, if, if you see a mountain and that mountain's in the way, that mountain is, is an obstacle to the promises of God. That mountain represents an obstacle that's keeping you from where God wants you to go. It's keeping you from God's best. That mountain must be overcome if you're going to walk in God's best for your life. Here's the deal. Mountains can sometimes be circumstances that are beyond our control. And God says, you can speak what you believe God's word has said. And that mountain has to start moving. That circumstance has to start changing. When you speak, when your faith starts to speak. But sometimes obstacles in our life aren't circumstances beyond our control. Sometimes the obstacles that we're facing are circumstances. Let me rephrase that. These obstacles, they're really consequences because we tried to control our life. And God says, you can speak to those two. You can rework your thoughts about those two. Those things that you didn't think were in your control. Instead of talking about how bad your marriage is, maybe it's time to start believing that that God can change your marriage. Maybe instead of believing that your finances are always gonna be in bad shape, maybe it's time to start believing that God can provide every one of your needs. Maybe instead of believing that you're not worth something, you're not valuable, so you're just gonna settle for anybody who wants to give you attention, and now you're saying, wait a second, no, no, I ain't gonna settle for nothing. I'm gonna believe for God's best in my life. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna lose hope, I'm gonna keep hope alive. Why? Because I'm gonna start speaking some things that align myself. And Jesus says, you can say to those mountains, those consequences and those circumstances, go. And he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, not whatever you're gossiping about, not whatever you're describing, not what you're complaining about, what you pray about. And believe that you received it and it will be yours. So when those 
circumstances are bigger than you can handle, you can pray, hear God's word, believe it and speak it. And the mountain has to start moving. The circumstance has to start changing. But then there are those things that in our hearts we've created consequences. And Jesus goes on to say, and so when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Because some of the consequences, some of the disconnects are because we're holding on to things that we need to let go of. Some of the broken relationships are because you've been walking in pride and you need to humble yourself and apologize. He says, don't hold things in your heart because when you hold things in your heart, you're creating consequences. You're creating a belief system. It's not going to produce life. You're going to have to keep up appearances and you're going to have to pretend that you like them. And you try and fake a smile when you see them. But the business deal that went bad and the relationship that went sideways and the gossip that stabs your heart, you're going to have to actually deal with. But you got to actually, if you want fruit to show up, you got to deal with the system that's broken. And Jesus said, if you have faith in your heart, you can speak to the circumstances and they're going to change. But if you want the consequences to change, that you're, this obstacle that's in your way that you created, then you're going to have to let it go. You're going to have to speak forgiveness. You've got that ability. You've got that ability. Friends, I, I got to tell you, my heart has been broken recently because of stories that I'm hearing of the many destructive, fractured, offended relationships that seem like are touching so many different people in our community. I believe that God would do an amazing work in our town if people would just make a decision to stop being bitter and to get over some things that they've been holding on to for a lot of years. It's a mountain. It's an obstacle. And the problem is, you why we don't speak to the mountain is because all we see is the mountain. <laughs> but I came to tell somebody today, that faith speaks what it sees. Oh, no, no. It doesn't speak that it sees a mountain. No, no. See, you can see the mountain or you can see beyond the mountain. The Bible says that Jesus spoke to the tree not based on what was obvious. It had leaves. It was supposed to have fruit. But he spoke to it based on what was unseen, that there was something unhealthy in the system inside the tree. The Bible tells us that we walk by faith, not by, we're, we're told in Isaiah that God's thoughts are beyond our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And so when we begin to speak in faith, we're not speaking based on what we see. We're speaking based on what God sees in our lives. He sees past the hurt. He sees past the unforgiveness. He sees past the doubt. And he sees past the mountain of debt and financial bills that are stacking up. He sees past the insufficiency and the lack that you think. He sees past the fact that you're not valuing yourself enough to think of yourself enough to carry yourself different. He sees past what you think that you can't do to see what you are in him. He sees past what is obvious to beyond what his promise says about your life. And when we begin to see what God sees, we can speak what God says. 
if you want to come to the point where you're living in God's best, here's the bottom line. Faith works when we speak what God sees. Will you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Here's here's the question. What does God see in you? I'll tell you what he sees. He sees somebody that's righteous. He sees somebody that is enough. He sees somebody who is gifted. He sees somebody who is called. He sees somebody that he's qualifying by the blood of Jesus. He sees somebody that is more than enough. He sees somebody that is loved and belongs. He sees somebody that's chosen. He sees somebody that he died for. When he sees you, he sees himself and he sees that you can, that you are more than a conqueror. He sees that you're righteous, that you're capable, you're able. He sees it. Can you see it? Bow your heads, close your eyes. God, today, we want our faith to work. Lord, we believe faith works, and it works when faith hears, when faith makes a choice to believe, when we transform our thoughts and begin to speak differently. God, when our thoughts begin to see and to think like you, to see beyond the mountain, to see beyond the struggle, to see beyond the lies that have been spread in the marriage, to see beyond the distrust that has been there, to see beyond the anger, to see beyond the bills that are piling up, to see beyond what we feel like we lack. God, you see beyond those things. Today, God, I pray that you would help us see what you see so that we can speak in faith. may we forever be changed and may our faith be built up. May we speak in a way that aligns in an agreement and forms an agreement with something. And God, if there have been things that we've been believing that are wrong, may we break the agreement with those things right now in Jesus name. Lord, I break the agreement that we've made in Jesus name with things that we don't need to be agreeing with. We aren't destined for failure. We aren't destined for divorce. We aren't destined for poverty. No, we break the agreement with those lies and we believe your promises instead. Help us see what you see so we can speak in faith. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord.